You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hi, welcome to Geeky Show Ever, episode 365. I'm Elisa Fiselli. And poor Melissa is still dealing with housing, but there's light at the end of the tunnel. So today joining me is someone who used to be very active, guesting on various podcasts, and at one point he even had his own show. He also wrote science fiction books, but now he is a successful full-time photographer. Welcome to Geeky Show Ever, Peter Bird. Ah, thank you very much. It's nice to be back here. Um, for those of you with long-term memories, I was on this show a while back with different variations of different hosts as well. So it's been a while, though. Yeah, you used to be. I just remember that you used to be on lots of different podcasts and until you had your own show. And then you just gave it all up. Yeah, there's a there's a very big reason for that. But my very first podcast I was ever on was actually Pocket Sized Podcast. Really? I was involved. I was invited on as a listener for the 100th show because it was a big show that Scott did and had mm -hmm. all the people in it. Yeah. And I was one of those people who was on it. And it pretty much went from there. Okay. I remember you and I would be on, um, oh, shoot, uh, Not Another Mac podcast. Yeah. The, yeah, Green I was on Tree. that a lot. Yep, Mark Greentree. Yes, I do remember that. And I'm trying to remember what else before you did your own. Were there other ones? I think so. It's hard to remember them all, though, because I also hosted a lot of the ones where Mark wasn't available for Not Another Mac podcast. So there is that. Yeah. So I I'm, mean, there's so uh, many podcasts back from the, say, 2007 to 2012 yeah. era that no longer exist. My Mac. I was on My Mac. Okay. <laughs> so um, I was on there with an episode, I think it was with a guy. So that was, that's always a fun experience. I like Guy. Guy's yeah. Great guy. Yeah. Guy's been on the show a couple of <laughs> times with us. So um, there's a couple of English ones I know I've been on, um, which one is The Airways, which is about movies and stuff. And the other one is, oh, I'm trying to remember what, it, what it's called. It's um, the guy called Carl Madden. Hosted, I can't remember the name of the show and it's annoying me. The British <laughs> it's a Tech Network? It's a, is... uh, no, that's that's another thing. Um, but this was a Mac show as well. And um I've done that one as well, but there's a load, but it's just trying to remember them all. Yeah, that's that's the problem. So besides podcasting, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Well, um, probably the uh, thing about me is I've had a very interesting life as far as jobs go, because the very first job I ever had, I was what I literally have less left school. And this is always fun. I like to tell people I went for Reebok. Which, for those of you who don't know, Reebok make like trainers and the tracksuits. That Reebok, it's okay, like a sports thing, equivalent to like Nike, but they're much. Reebok's a bigger thing here. Yeah, the, my so, actually, Reeboks are my favorite sneaker, but I cannot find them anymore. Yeah, they seem to have disappeared for some reason. But literally, my uncle worked there, and he uh, asked my uncle, "Can I get a job working for you?" I was, wasn't even. I was like just left school, so I wasn't even seventeen at this point. And he went, "Yeah, sure." So I worked there for a while. And after that, my job, my job life pretty much swung all kinds of places. I've done all sorts of weird jobs. Um, the one that, which really changed the podcasting thing, because obviously when I was in the podcasting, a lot of that was I was able to do because I was working at the cinema as a projectionist. I remember that. And I worked a lot of late shifts. So the late shifts would finish in time for the American shows for me to be on them and to appear on them because it made it easier because they would finish like 
stupid o'clock in the morning for me, which would help for obviously Australia and America. So I'd still be wide awake. So I'd be like, yeah, I'm on say day. I'll go do that. So yeah. it just made it easier. Yeah. Because I, once I'm awake, I'm awake, and I generally am awake at night a lot. So, which has, happens to do with another thing I enjoyed, which is stargazing, mm-hmm. which I've done since I was very little. Mm-hmm. So, I have a nice big telescope over there. Obviously, you can't see it, it's big. So, it's one of those ones where you can see galaxies and stuff. But oh, I wow. enjoy yeah. that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it was very expensive, but I did enjoy it. But um, the reason, obviously, the podcasting thing ended pretty much is because. I stopped working at the cinema and I needed to find another source of income. And I'm a self-motivated person. I like to give myself stuff to do. And the reason I stopped working at the cinema, once I stopped working, I realized I didn't want to work for somebody else. And I realized I need to be my own boss. So I needed something to I could do, which I was had the skill to do, so I wouldn't have to like work for somebody else, I could make a living doing it. And that's where the photography stuff started. Because a friend of mine who's been doing fine art photography for like nearly 25 years at this point he, t- he turned around to me and said why don't you try photography so like okay, i'll do it. i'll start doing because the thing is i've done photography since i was very young since i'm about four years old i started with black and white cameras and film cameras and po- the polaroid ones oh yeah my yeah. uncle just gave me a, my, go- my uncle just gave me a camera went there you go work it out because i'm one of those fiddlers i like playing with stuff yeah and um, by the end of the day i was taking pictures and stuff and then he's like i was like so how do i get my pictures so obviously little four-year-old me this is and he's like You've got to go. You've got to take him into his dark room. Didn't know how to do it, so I've got, my uncle showed me how to do it the first time. But since about that age, I was doing dark room and stuff for the chemicals. He showed me how to do it all. Obviously, protecting myself face mask because little four year old me should not be breathing chemicals like that. Mm. It's not fun. <laughs> but it got me addicted to. I just enjoyed doing stuff, and I'm a tinkerer by nature. It's also how I got into doing tech stuff as well because I like playing with stuff. Yeah. And eventually, that all led to me doing obviously the photography for a living. And the most common thing I do photography-wise is weddings mm-hmm. and events. And, of course, the last year or so, that was really um, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to get to that in a moment. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, but um, for the most part, uh, I, I travel a lot for what I do, which I do enjoy, which is always fun. So, But the best part about my job is I meet different people all the time, which I do like. But the best thing honestly for me it's working for myself you can make your own schedule yeah but what i just what you have the things that i always explain to people who are like oh you're really lucky work for your boss i'm like yeah but you still have to do stuff you have to motivate yourself you have to work you have to do so because i'm the only person who does my work so i have to do the website stuff i have to do my admin my marketing my taxes as well as editing photos arranging appointments mm-hmm. seeing clients it's a lot yeah but if you want a career like that you have to make yourself do that stuff otherwise you're never going to get anywhere yeah you've got to be self-motivated yeah and i think that's the problem why a lot of people will never be able to be self-employed as much as everyone probably dreams of it one you've got to have a skill you can make money from and two you have to be able to make yourself do it every single day good days and bad yeah some people are very fond of their beds (laughs) Now, do you have anyone that helps you during a photography shoot? I can do, depending on what kind of shoot it is. Because um, a lot of the time, if it's something where it requires free, like makeup and stuff, uh, we will I will hire like makeup artists uh, and assistants and stuff to help with certain things. Because 
it's just easier and obviously not every if it's a model photoshop for example it's probably the best way to explain this um not all models can do their own makeup some of them can which does make it easier but for those who can't we have makeup eyes and then also special effects artists if you need to create like like masks prosthetics and stuff there's all kind of things that get done in photoshoots it's one of those weird things um for anyone who has seen my instagram or any of my social media today the picture i posted today was a special effects picture which i composited the original picture is just me standing there in a skull mask like this with my hand out front (laughs) okay let me go look i haven't looked at instagram today yet yeah it's one of those things you'd never know unless you actually unless you were there doing it because i had to have somebody help me do it because obviously i need to need to be able to line up because i i couldn't see much of what was going on okay let me do a search for you that'll be quicker because you never know oh okay this is yeah. the one with the skull that's the one yeah <laughs> so the original picture from that is actually in daylight it's bright daylight and there's quite a few people around in that picture and i'm just stood there just normal me with a rubber skull mask on with my hand out and that only works because i have multiple assistants helping me showing me where i need to be and obviously doing adjustments and stuff you can't do that on your own so you need to hire people to help you do stuff like that but a lot of that photo is done but at my end when i get it back to the computer and do lots of compositing and adding effects and various other stuff but without the help of the people i get to help me at the time it doesn't work right right so also you can also there's wardrobe assistance and a whole bunch of other stuff as well so there's a the lot kind of, of coordination and it that's why mm-hmm. a, getting just a handful of pictures might take eight hours Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, shoots can last. Photo shoots, particularly with models, can last anywhere from like three hours to eight hours. Sometimes they go longer if there's lots of models, because it's usually not always just one model either. Because if there's like multiple, it can go up to like twelve hours. Oh my gosh! So at this point, you've kind yeah. of learned that a particular kind of shoot is going to take a certain amount of time. So if you book something for the morning and something for the afternoon or late afternoon, you know that that's something that's feasible based on what the morning appointment is yeah once you've done stuff you get an idea and can gauge what takes what like today for example before we've done this i did a photo shoot earlier and i knew exactly how long that shoot would take i also knew how how long it would take me to get back and then obviously eat dinner and then be ready obviously to speak to yourself but if you're just starting out you don't necessarily know that so you you can't really plan for stuff and you learn very quickly do not overbook yourself because that will end very badly yeah yeah with you getting burned but, out, if nothing else. Exactly. Also, organization, very important. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. My my calendar rules my life, essentially, because everything goes on it. Mm-hmm. Reminders. I use reminders a lot. That as well, yeah. yeah. Don't forget to call this person, or don't forget to do this, or sometimes it's like, oh, that's right, I forgot. Yeah, need the reminders. Yeah. So which apps do you use to process your photos? Does it depend on this type of photo, Ooh. like a wedding versus a model versus a nature photo? Yes, there is a difference. Um, when you do events and weddings, you tend to use Lightroom because Lightroom is designed to deal with a big batch of photos or what's because you can do edits across multiple pictures at once, which you can't do in Photoshop. It doesn't work that way. Photoshop is very much best done for one-off shots, model shots, stuff like. That. But if you're doing big events. And, mo- and weddings weddings and 
uh, vents can be like thousands of pictures. Right. And you're not going through thousands of pictures one at a time going, edit, 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 edit. You might do fine edits on one or two of them, which you can do from Lightroom to Photoshop. But Lightroom is much easier at doing general edits on everything. And they can just do the smaller edits on other bits and pieces later. But yeah, that's I use Lightroom for like those sort of things. For, uh, Photoshop I use for models, composite pictures, and stuff like that. And also, I've got various plugins I use for that as well, which will help me do various things quicker. Like certain actions will be done quicker. Otherwise, it's time consuming because a lot of the stuff I use helps me save time, and time's an important thing when you do when you work for yourself. Right. So also when it comes to photos, obviously there's that, but there's lots of other apps that are used for various things as well for dealing with customers because sometimes they want to see stuff. So there's those. Also virtual meetings, again, back during the lockdowns, when you want to speak to a customer, you generally couldn't do it in person. So you had to use like FaceTime, Zoom, Skype, even WhatsApp, believe it or not. Um, You'd be surprised what people ended up asking you. Oh, can I use this? Sure. It's there's some weird stuff you get used. But as far as editing photos goes, yes, a lot of it does depend on the type of photo it is as well. Um, as I mentioned before, obviously, if I'm taking a space photo, which space photos are very different, I have a particular software I use for that because um, if you want to get the best result from space photos, you normally need to take like a load of them, like um, a long exposure, which is basically you leave the camera. For those who don't know, you take a picture, but you have to leave it on a tripod and you walk away and leave it there for about anywhere from like 30 seconds to up to five minutes. And then you come back and the picture you had is literally the sky, but you've left it to get a longer picture. So you need to be still otherwise it blurs. But then you put it into software specifically designed for, um, for the night sky and you can batch edit them and it can weave them all together it's the same way almost like a panorama's done it on your phone but it's much more complicated and it basically gives you the best result by using it that way otherwise it doesn't work photoshop and lightroom can't do it because it's far too complex but it's how you get some of the um i've occasionally posted photos of the moon on my instagram facebook and stuff mm-hmm. and that's how that stuff's done because you can't do it otherwise because it's a very particular because if you take a picture of your phone of the moon it'd be a lovely picture but it's not what the moon actually looks like even with the camera itself it doesn't necessarily look exactly how it does you have to do stuff afterwards but you have to know what to alter but you want specific tools for specific jobs basically it's the main thing i'd say probably comes out of this but you have to you learn this by experience though because you're very rarely going to know beforehand Oh, this is the best thing for that, because I went through loads of editing software before I worked out, this is what I'm going to use. Now, did you take any classes in photography and editing, or is this something you've learned just by doing and reading? And Oh, actual photography, I literally just learned on my own, because it's because it I, I think the advantage of that is because I was so young at the time. The, a younger mind tends to pick things up very quickly. I think if I tried to have done it now, it would have been a lot harder. But the editing and other stuff, I've you learn that on the go because there's always updates and alterations and software. I mean, Photoshop's just a very big update, which added a whole bunch of stuff. So you have to you're always learning as well, which is the other thing. You can't just say, "Oh, I know everything," because you don't. Yeah, that's <laughs> no, true for that's, everything. Yeah, but it's a very common thing I come across of people being like, "Oh, I, I use that software. I know how that that's done." I'm like. 
are you sure about that? Because I will find a way to do something. It'd be like, great, but I want to see if I can find a better way to do it. Because I always tinker with stuff because I like to see if I can make something better. It may not work out, but I want to try. Right. Because you never know. And it may save me that extra bit of time I need. So, so do you ever... I tend take... to find... Sorry. No. Sorry do you on. ever take photos with your phone? Or do you take pictures with your camera and edit them on your phone? Ah, now phone pictures, yes, I do take them, but not for professional reasons. The reason I've used the camera, my camera phone to do it is if I'm location scouting. And sometimes if you're going to shoot with somebody, they'll pick a location and I want a sample picture. So I'll go to myself and check out the location. And I'll take a picture of the camera phone. And the reason I do that is, my, is the camera phone's camera is worse than my camera. So I know the worst conditions I'm like to get. Okay. So I know this is as worst it will be. Because bear in mind, smartphone cameras, they are very good, but there's things they just can't do. And I mean, I've got an iPhone 11, for an example, and that is a very good camera. But I would never pick it over using my actual camera. But it's obviously it's the camera you have with you, though. Right. I mean, to be fair, in my case, I usually have both. But I'm not going to just drag out my camera, put a lens on it and to just do the set. It's just to get a location picture. What? The phone can do that. Also, the phone has the uh, fun ability of also being able to tag where I am without me having to fiddle with anything. So then it will help me like this is the place I found and this is where it was. And of course, then the phone talks to Apple Maps, which talks to the contacts. It right. just makes it easier for yeah, me. You got the GPS so it's on. less work. Yeah, it's less work. And then always work smarter, not harder. Or they should work hard too, but smarter is always better. Yeah, yeah. Now, so. do you ever take a picture, or do you ever take pictures with film, actual film? Do you ever have an opportunity for that, or is there any circumstance where film would be better than digital? It's how I started <laughs> when I was four years old. It was I was filmed cameras. Uh, there's not so much of a call for it now, but it is a specialized skill because it's much harder to come across. People do ask for it, and usually it's for vintage photos where people are like um, 40s and 50s style clothing or 30s style clothing because yeah. it looks better if you use film because it has that look to it. So it, it's like most things. Though. Um, also, film is very expensive now because it's much harder to get hold of, which is the other thing. Processing it is easy because I know how to do it from when I did it when I was younger. But getting hold of film itself is actually very difficult, especially good film. Uh, but usually, for the most part, if you're going to take multiple photos, you don't use film because it's not cost effective. But if you're doing something specific for somebody, then, yeah, you use film. I do like shooting film for various things. There are certain wedding scenarios film works better for as well. If it's like a really old-fashioned wedding or like, or you want a certain look from it because film will just do certain looks better. Yeah, I was telling you before we were recording, I was telling you that about my trip to Italy in 2015. And at that point, I think that was the trip where I brought my Canon Shore Shot, which granted is not the camera that you have, but you know, it was my digital camera. And I also had my phone, which whatever phone was 2015, I can't even remember. The pictures from my iPhone were so much better than my yeah. digital camera. I haven't touched it since. It's still sitting in my closet. I really don't want to throw it away. But the, the quality of the iPhone is so much better. No, I can understand that one. Uh, it's one of these things I say to people. Because uh, the minute I find out I take photo, like, photography for a living, people are like, oh, I bet you think phones are bad and stuff. I was like, no, I don't. Because 
basically, if you want to take a picture, take a picture. There's nothing wrong with that. It's like a case of you can take a mobile phone picture and it'll probably look great. And you'll never need it for anything else other than to put it into your photo, iCloud library, whatever it will be. And you still have that picture. The important thing generally is that you have the picture yeah. for most people. And I think that's very important because that's a here and now thing, particularly because you don't, can't always like be going on holiday and say, say, I know what I'm, I'm going to, while we're here, I'm going to call a photographer and have them follow us around the entire time. One, that'd be very expensive. <laughs> and two, they're not going to be everywhere with you because generally you will want alone time. So using your own phone to do that i think it's much more preferable to people as well because it's more intimate and also you're much more relaxed around your family or if you're away from your half for half for example sometimes it's just easier for the mobile for a mobile phone um the only sacrifices you really make is for professional reasons the reason you can really use a mobile phone is night photography is still not great on a phone which is it is getting better but it's still not great but also printing scaling, which is a big thing for particularly if you do commercial or print. Mobile phone pictures are not up to that, and they may never may never be. But my most biggest issue with a mobile phone thing, and I don't think it's anything they'll ever fix, is zoom lenses. Because the digital zoom lens is nowhere near as good as the optical one is. And an optical one, for, just to explain, in case you don't know, because not everyone does, on a professional camera you have the thing where you rotate the camera to make yeah. it go in and out mm-hmm. to zoom mm-hmm. yeah that's an optical lens now on a mobile phone you pinch to zoom that's right. a digital lens that's digital zoom. okay when you do when you're doing it on a mobile phone camera you are destroying information because you are making it bigger because the sensors on mobile phone camera are not up to being zoomed that way optical picks up more information okay. because of the nature of the way it's made so for me personally, I couldn't use a mobile phone for that very reason. And until that's a thing where they can do an optical zoom on a mobile phone, it's never going to work for me. Don't they have lenses that you can put on a iPhone? It's still digital though, because you're still having to go through the camera's digital information rack. This okay. is why this is why because opt- mobile because professional cameras are optical, and a professional and a mobile phone is digital. And that's the issue you're always going to have because it reads digital information. Because um, comp- computation, comp- uh, computational <laughs> photography. There you go. Okay. Which is the chip, the chips the iPhones use, for example. Great thing for a, a simply like take a picture. Great, yay! But the very nature of that means an optical lens will have an issue interacting with a digital phone because you're trying to compress optical information into a digital chip. And then you're mixing the optical and digital together, which generally does not work very well. You need a pure system for, of one or the other for that to work properly. I know it's a bit technical. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a photographer. I, I take pictures. Mm. That's how I describe myself. Yeah. I'm not a photographer. I take pictures. And I take a lot of pictures. But I'm not, for my purposes, just picking up the phone, squaring it up, and just click is enough for me. Yeah, which which is absolutely fine. Which I, I applaud people to do it. If you want to take pictures, go take pictures. I'm a big fan of that. Uh, one thing I'm not a fan of, though, when it comes to mobile phone pictures, and I, I suspect you probably don't do this, is people do those selfies where they hold it up at that weird angle and then take a picture going, and do like the fling with the lips. The, the, that no, 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 I, no, 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 no. I cringe when I yeah. see that. Yeah, that. Yeah, I, I totally get that and i try not to do selfies because 
I am very unphotogenic. My husband and my kids, they you could throw them in the pool and roll them in mud and they would still look great. I'm just not one of those people. So I try to be the person taking the picture, not in the picture, if at all possible. But, you know, sometimes you got to be in it, which, I, which is fine. I get that. Which is fine. But I, to, uh, I do get that. It's one of the advantages I have. So I was going to say, one of the advantages I have is I don't have to appear in a picture because I don't like having my own picture taken. So being behind the camera is a great excuse not to be in a picture. So yeah. I feel you on that one. Yeah. So switching gears a little bit, as we both, uh, everybody knows here, COVID. The last year, still going into this oh, yes. year. How did you do business in the age of COVID? And did you still do business? Yes, I did. And here's the thing when it comes to being a, a photographer like what I do. And I recommend this to anyone when you're self-employed, have multiple ways to make money. It's very important. Um, all the while, while I was doing the photography, building up this, I was also doing other things and learning because um, I did an MVQ on to get a qualification to re do remote support for computer repair. And I can physically repair and rebuild computers, which really did help do COVID because then people could just call me up and I could just talk them through like over Zoom or Skype if they had issues as to what was going on. So that was one way I got oh, interesting. extra income that way. So, but as far as photography goes, I was still able to do work and that was mainly product photography, which you can do remotely. And all you have to do for that is get the people who want the pictures done to send you what they want pictures of and then I can just do that anywhere. Because I have the equipment, I just can't, obviously travel and meet them but stuff can still come through couriers and po through the post oh so if they hired and, you to do say yeah. the cover of a catalog they could send yeah. you the stuff or, you take the picture and it would show up on the cover of the catalog yeah. or if somebody has like a product like say this chocolate bar i'm just showing this away obviously the listeners can't see this but at okay. least you get the idea of what i okay. mean by this mm -hmm. and you just position this and create right kind of light and say and it'd be like appear it'll appear as an advert in like in a magazine or a newspaper be like this chocolate bar is amazing. And you basically taking the pictures and creating product for shops like that, uh, like what if you catalogs, magazines or websites like uh, you guys would go like Walmart, Target, those sort of websites where you mm. get those pictures. That's all yeah. product photography. Okay. So that's how most of that happened. But I was still weirdly enough, still taking wedding bookings, but nobody could confirm actual dates, of course, because obviously we didn't know when anything would open again. Yeah. But I'd still get people get in touch and – I would deal with those people remotely through Skype, through Zoom, and weirdly enough, Microsoft Teams. <laughs> okay. So you have to go you have to, to be where open the people to these are. Things. You know, exactly. that's and so that's what they I use. That's what you use. Yeah, I literally have multiple messaging apps and video apps for this reason. But perhaps the most strange one I ever had was somebody contacts me through Discord. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Which, yeah, that was that was a new one to me. I was like, okay. I mean, it didn't bother me because I have it for a reason. So, but they contacted me. I was like, sure, okay. And there you go. But it's again, it's one of those useful things. Uh, a lot of people also contact me through Slack. Um, there's uh, actually you might appreciate this. Um, since since COVID obviously eased up, it was different. But Slack was how I was being messaged by a company who do hire people to do provide models and photographers for hem parties. Hen parties? Um, you, I've heard of I'm that. I'm not sure if you guys have them over there. Um, before the wedding, the bride will have a party with all her girlfriends. Oh, and it will shower. just be the girls. The shower, yeah. Yeah, we call, it's called a hen party here. 
And literally what it is, is this company specializes in providing models for them to like draw and paint. And they send along photographers as well. And those guys use Slack to do all their communicating, which again is another messaging service. So those yeah. those guys contact me that way. So so every company operates differently. So that I get taken on to do freelancing work. So basically it'll be a case of, do you have this platform? No, but I can get it. So once you were able to start going back to in-person weddings and working with models directly, has anything changed? Has your the way you did things pre-COVID, are they exactly the same as they are now? Or I should say, are the, the way you're doing things now, are they the same as they were pre-COVID? Or do you have different um, different uh, things that you're doing, like maybe you're wearing a mask and the models aren't? Or how are you, you know, keeping a little further apart? Or is it just like, hey, we're all vaccinated, everything is good, let's just do this? Uh, I've, I've always worked a fair distance away from people anyway, because that's a thing. But also, I'm a clean freak. <laughs> so that's, that definitely goes in my favor. I have to bring my own sanitizers because if I don't bring those, there are some I'm allergic to and I end up getting my skin cracking. So I literally have sanitizer with me. So if I go to a venue, I'll be like, really sanitizer? I'm like, no, I've already got my own, it's fine. Face mask, I have like a whole bag of them just in case I need them. But um, I was double vaccinated since like last February. Mm-hmm. So I'm fully vaccinated and stuff like that um, because the reason I got prioritized and the reason being is I'm around a lot of vulnerable people. And anyone in that category was prioritized along with the elderly and the sick and people with medical conditions because it's no point giving it to them if you're if you're just going to be going to come and then have to be around me. Right. So they 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 put me in there as well. Although the lovely lady gave me my first jab, broke the needle in my arm. <gasps> oh my god, I never heard of such a thing. Well, I mean, granted, was... those needles were definitely thinner. Mm. But yeah. still. And I'm I'm literally looking at it at the time when she's injecting me because I don't have an issue with needles. And I'm looking at this and she's done it. And I'm like, and she's like, I'm so sorry. I'm like, it's fine, it's fine. But she took her ages to get it out, and I could feel it moving. <gasps> and I'm like, that's real nice. So the second time, in out, not a problem. But yeah. <laughs> that um, was different. Yeah, that's oh my that's not something you want to have bragging rights for. Guess what happened to me? <laughs> Yeah, it's like, um, hey, it's like, uh, that's different. So, I mean, I've had injections before. It's one of those things, but it's always interesting when something like that happens because it'd be like, yeah. But um, obviously you do have to be, but getting back to the actual uh, thing about dealing with the people, um, washing hands, vaccination, obviously asking people if they're vaccinated. If you go into a venue for a wedding, I speak to the venue. I'm like, what is your protocols? What do you want me not to do? What what you're okay with me doing? These are generally questions I would have asked before anyway, but obviously with post-COVID, there are certain things you're actually more emphasizing, like, yeah. is it okay if this happens here and this happens here? Obviously, the, the main thing is in register offices over here is when the bride and groom originally after COVID, they had to keep the face masks on. Apart from when you get in front of the registrar, and then you can take them off to do the vows, but then you have to put them straight back on once you finish. And then be led outside. So that means the bride walks down the aisle with the mask on? Yeah, that's at the beginning. It's not as bad now, but that's how it started off once they got back. Bear in mind, this was the first few weeks after restrictions eased up here. Yeah. So with those pictures, it's a case of um, I did a bit of trickery when I provided those pictures to the bride afterwards. Obviously, I've taken the pictures of her walking down the aisle, but I took other pictures of her earlier. And what I did was 
I replaced the mask with a picture of her face. Of, so I just kind of put it on there. You can't tell I've done it. So this way she has a wedding picture yeah. where she's not covered by a face mask. That's fabulous. And it's the same That's for the groom as well. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. If that were me, I'd probably be in tears when I would look at that picture, knowing that I walked down the aisle with a mask on. But now I've got a picture without it. Yeah. Some of the brides did get a bit worried about when they had to do it. And I explained to them at the time, I was like, do not worry about it. I will take care of it. And done it afterwards. Send them the picture afterwards. And they're like, but I was wearing the face mask. I went, I told you to take care of it. <laughs> <laughs> because the thing is, you want them to be happy. It's the happiest day of their lives. Yeah. And the poor blighters are having to wear face masks because obviously of things beyond their control. So you've got to try and give them the best thing you can. Unfortunately, I've, because I knew enough about how to do stuff afterwards, I could make it so you had no idea they were wearing face masks. Yeah. Meanwhile, where they have a, a person doing the video, nothing they can do about that. No, no. I mean, there is ways, but you have to really understand how to use something like Final Cut or Premiere Pro. And that would take a very long time. But pretty much most of the time, though, when I'm there, that face masks. Because especially at weddings, because elderly people. Yeah. So, and you're more likely to encounter like people have issues, so face masks. Obviously, outdoors here, not necessary, so that's fine. But anything that's indoors, for anything, on goes the face mask. Because is still, is that still? If you did, if you were doing a wedding tomorrow, would the bride be wearing a face mask? No, the bride and groom don't have to do it anymore. I still wear them pretty much because it's just better for everyone. Because most of the people that turn up at weddings tend to be within a bubble of their family. And obviously, I'm an outsider. Yeah. They don't know where I've been. Right. It's a face mask. And if I need to breathe and take breaks, I go out 15 minutes, come back, put the mask back on. Because I don't want to risk them possibly catching that. I mean, they won't. But at the same time, I don't want to tempt fate and, and I, have that be a thing. I totally understand. I'm exactly the same way. When I go into stores, the mask goes on. And I also found wearing the mask last year, I didn't get a cold. First time ever, yeah. I did not get a winter cold, and my allergies didn't bother me as much. This the past. I know a lot of people that happened to. Yeah, a lot of people I know ha- happened to this year because the mask not been so prevalent. People are actually getting colds and stuff, and I think what it is is their bodies got used to not having anything, so it wasn't used to fighting off anything. So I think a lot of people also got it worse this year because they're not having to wear them. Yeah, but of course, I'm still worsely wearing. Plus, on London transport over here, like the buses, the tubes, and trains, you still have to wear them. It's, it's mandatory here. Yeah. I'm not sure about public transport. Well, see, we only have city buses. I'm not really sure because I don't mm. use them. But I know uh, we just flew about a month ago, and we had to have uh, our masks on in the airport and on the plane. You know, you could take it off to eat, yeah. and then you put it back on. And we were on a cruise. And even on the cruise, we had to wear the mask when we were indoors. Once we were up on deck and, you know, going to the pool, you could take it off. Yeah, very important. Yeah, it's important because what, uh, what you've obviously said that is essentially the same thing happens at any time I go to a wedding venue or an event venue or someone's home to do pictures. You still have to bear in mind, where is it? What are their rules? Because you never know, because different places have different rules. Um, for an example, over here, obviously, you guys have states. You have your individual states like New York, uh, Washington, mm-hmm. uh, and California, for right. example. Yep. Over here, we have counties. All our different counties all have different rules, and all their registrars have different rules as well. So we have to get – every time we get booked to go to do something, we have to ask each individual one, 
what are your rules? What do we need to be aware of? Mm-hmm. We can't just assume that the entire the entirety of one county is the same because it's not. Right, right. So, so it, how far? <laughs> how far? I mean, this might be a a difficult question to answer, but how far out are you booked as far as like I know around here? If all right, so this is November. If I was getting married in January, good luck trying to find a wedding photographer. If I was getting married January of 2023, I'd have a better chance. So are you experiencing the same thing where you're booked you know, pretty yeah, far out say, there? Barring a few weeks here and there, I, uh, my next wide area of availability is not until March 2023. <gasps> March 2023? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's, that's fantastic. I mean, I know. It's, it's kind. It's kind of. It's good news for you, bad news for someone who might want to book you right away. But yeah, I would recommend though, and please tell me if I'm talking out of turn here, that they should contact you anyway because you never know. The week that they're looking for hurts. might be the week that you have an opening. Yeah, it never hurts to ask because also people do cancel. Some people have to rearrange stuff. Um. I have one wedding that's going to take place at the beginning of December. They had to rearrange early before COVID happened. This hasn't was anything to do with COVID. That a family member who was taken seriously also, and that person was very important to what was going to happen at the wedding. So they delayed it until December. So that freed up that date. And then somebody else actually contacted me by chance and said, do you happen to be free on this date? And I was like, yes, I am. Because it was literally like an hour after they changed the date. Oh. And somebody took that chance and they got that slot simply because they asked. Exactly. Does the worst thing that's going to happen is you say, "I'm really, really sorry," but I can't. Yeah. Yeah. It's. It's. It never hurts to ask. I mean, the worst thing that happens is I can. Uh, I'll say, I- "I'm sorry, I can't do it," and you don't lose anything by that. You just get an answer. Yeah. I mean that that goes true for anything. The worst thing that can happen is the person says no. Yeah, it's yep. it's something that happens a lot. Particularly, yeah, everything to gain like, and nothing to lose. Yeah, happens a lot, particularly in what I do. Half the time, if I'm uh, if I'm doing a photo shoot and I happen to be like in a venue, uh, some people will be like, uh, oh, "We're not sure we can do this." I'm like, "How do you know?" And they're like, "We don't think we can." I'm like, "Did you not ask?" And they're like, "No." I would just waddle over to the person in charge and go, "Excuse me, do you mind if we do this?" The worst thing that guy can tell me, that girl can tell me, is no. But they could turn around and go. Oh, yeah, sure. Here you go. Mm-hmm. And possibly you could do this as well and do here. You don't know unless you ask. Right. Uh, too many people are afraid of the word no, I think is what it actually is. Or they think they're being um, inappropriate or uh, afraid the other person is going to blow up. When the other person is, if or it's pushy. no, yeah. they're just going <laughs> to say, gee, I'm sorry, but we, we're not allowed to do that. Okay. Thank you anyway. Yeah. I mean, there's a particular thing. There's a particular thing, particularly in England, is uh, people generally don't complain about things they should complain about and don't ask for stuff because it's a cultural thing. It's a big thing here. People, if you get given like food here, very rarely do people actually complain. They'll complain to their friends, but they won't complain to the restaurant, for example. Yeah. Worst thing you can do, mention it to them. They want to know. <laughs> because if you don't, if you don't make a issues like you don't know but it's something particularly english people will not do and the same thing goes with when it comes to asking people for things because a lot of the stuff i get from people i get because i ask and because i barter 
Well, that's a lost skill for a lot of people is like say, yeah, uh, okay, so if I did do this, I could do this. Would that work for you? You don't know unless you ask. They could just say no. That's fine. But yeah. try. Yeah, that happened to us on a cruise. My husband loves prime rib. And the night that they had prime rib for dinner, he asked for his medium rare. They gave it to him and it was not good. And he's cutting and he's going, oh, this isn't good. I said, send it back and get a different piece. And he, no, 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 this is fine. I'll eat it. I'll eat it. And then the waiters came around, you know, how is your food? How is this? And my husband says, oh, yeah, it's fine. And I looked at the waiter. I said, no, it's not. It's not good. Take it back. Get him another piece. And he finally goes, yeah, okay. Yeah. He goes, this isn't good. And he told him why it wasn't good. The waiter comes back with the piece. My husband was like, oh, my God, this is wonderful. I'm like, see? And the the waiter was very apologetic, which wasn't his fault. But like you said, well, no. you have to say, I mean, he was, we were polite. We didn't say that chef, da, 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 da. You know, there's a bad piece. Okay, fine. It happened to be my husband's. Send it back. Yeah. When it comes to stuff like that, particularly, it's how you ask. It's not that you're, it's, don't be rude about it. Right. Be polite to them mm-hmm. and just say stuff and generally people are much more receptive if you're polite and you're nice about stuff because i've managed to get a lot of things because i'm polite and i say please mm-hmm. thank you and would you mind you know be polite about it not oi what is this because exactly. that's not how to get stuff exactly <laughs> exactly and then if you come back later for a favor another favor they're more likely to do that favor for you or if they can't find someone who can yeah, it's you'll always look, you always remember an experience of somewhere. If somewhere is like that and they're like, oh, that person was really helpful and accommodating. What was that person's name again? And you'll try and remember that person and you'll try and go back to that person right. as opposed yep. to, mm-hmm. oh, that one was really rude. I'm not going there again. Right, right. So, so it's the kind of thing you have to do when you do this kind of job as well is you try and make the best impression you can on people and try and be as helpful as you can for that exact reason because otherwise people aren't going to come to you or they're not going to tell their friends oh don't use that person yeah plus things like wedding venues a lot of them are going to remember your behavior and how you treated the bride and groom and how you treated the guests and the venues might be talking to a bride and groom who want to book the place and they may say do you have a photographer i know someone you should call yeah also there's registrars as well because they all talk to each other we i know they do because i've had people who've like oh you worked with such and such the other the last month because they they talk yeah so yeah something to always be aware of obviously if you're at a church where you've got priests and vicars again they all talk to each other yeah because i know there's times like if i were to call you there's been times i've called people and i've said hi you know my name is you know elisa and so and so told me uh i should give you a call so that you know that this person that you worked for was happy enough with your with, with the service you provided that she told me and now I'm calling you so i always make yeah, sure also, to, to to mention that to somebody i think it also tells you a lot about the person that's calling you as well because if you've been referred to by this person and obviously you remember that person it'd be like okay yeah that person was really good and they were really and it went really good experience and they've sent me this person so that's immediately tells me this person's likely to be just as good as that person. So this, should, yeah. so you're going to be much more, hey, how are you doing? Can I do this for you and stuff? Because you want to make a good impression, but it helps that that person sent them your way because then you know what that person was like. So this person is likely to be very similar or at least possibly even better. And it's a case of always a good thing, leave a good impression. Yeah, and that they're a legit potential client as opposed to someone who's just dialing numbers and wasting your time. Yeah, because there's a fair share of those as well. But most of that tends to happen by email, weirdly enough. 
somebody will send me an email going yes we would like to ask about this and this and this and you know by the tone of the email that's they don't really want it they're just being i don't know why they do it in all honesty but they're not actually wanting to book you yeah because it's not personal if i call you or if i set up a skype meeting with you this is personal i'm making a commitment of my time and now you're looking at me and we're having this person-to-person conversation so yeah in in my eyes, I'm being more serious of considering you as my potential photographer. If I am taking the yeah, time to it, sit and talk with you, yeah, it's a, it's a it's also it's an engagement thing because most people like to see people as well. It's a big thing because you can have a conversation with people straight by email by text message, and it'll be an okay conversation. But people like seeing people, obviously. With COVID, that was a bit difficult. You couldn't be in the flesh with people. So people, this is why I think like Zoom really boosted during COVID because people like seeing faces. They like to talk to people because yes. you engage better people by seeing their reactions, their uh, their eyes. And so people just find it better than just talking to a blank screen. <laughs> Which is why when we do these recordings, I like video instead of just audio because I need to be able to see your face. I know when you're done speaking. I know when you're, by the look on your face, that you just thought of something that you wanted to add. I don't know that for audio. Yeah, because there's a lot of visual cues on a person's face. Uh, this happens when I take pictures as well, because sometimes somebody would have a look on their face and, and, and I'll ask them, what did you just think of? Because usually they're thought of an idea, but they won't tell you. Mm. And But you have to pay attention to them. And the best way to do it is obviously if you can see them. And sometimes when I'm doing consultations with people, I, I like to say I can set up a Zoom or a Skype or a FaceTime call with you because I like to see their reactions because if there's an issue, then you can see it in their face and be like, okay, what is it? How can I help you? And people tend to find it much better for that reason because otherwise, if you just do pure audio communication, you lose something by not being able to see the face. Absolutely. Absolutely. I totally agree. So before we wrap up, is there anything else that you would like to add? Oh, I'd like to add. Oh, boy. Um, I'll tell you, there is one thing I would mention which I did find particularly weird because you don't really realize it until you start working for yourself. I've always had to become a marketeer, do marketing, and it's the thing I hate the least, I hate the most about what I do because I don't like, because you always have to brag to market yourself. And naturally, it's not me. I'm not a bragger. (laughs) I hate doing it. But you have to push yourself out there and make yourself slightly uncomfortable in some situations to do stuff. And it does work, but you have to know what you're marketing to and be very careful about it. So, but it's of course paying attention to your marketing. But to be honest, the thing I really, really don't like is social media. <laughs> because if I didn't, if I didn't need it for my job, I wouldn't have it. You don't like social media as far as what's out there or just the fact that you are putting yourself on social media what's out there because on certain social media platforms i'm not going to name because this isn't the place for that yeah some of it's really bad (laughs) yeah not gonna argue (laughs) not gonna argue and it really it really puts me off on it to spend any time on it because i do my social media posts for my business because i have to i'll engage people then message me stuff like that but a lot of time you, you you should probably spend time social media checking for stuff and i get really put off by some of the stuff i see on it and i'm like 
no, that's okay. I'll come back to this later. <laughs> well, as far as you marketing, one thing that I've always noticed about your posts, because you know we've been we've known each other for many many years, so if, you know of course I follow yes. you, I follow uh, your photography business, and the way you describe what the picture is. You don't just yeah. say, this is Jane Doe, you know, she's a model. You know, you know, you go into this descriptive, like if she's, you know, if her body is painted like a tiger, you know, you'll use things like, you know, she's out in the wild or, you know, just very descriptive imagery. I think it's, I, I like to do that. And there's a couple of reasons why, because uh, one, I think if you just put here's such and such. Great. Okay. That's fantastic. But that doesn't tell me anything other than you took a picture of this person. I think I personally think people like stories. And that's one of the reasons I do that. It's a little story that's just in a sentence, not too long, not too short. And it just explains to people what was going on at the time. And I personally like doing it because I personally like stories. I'm a story person. Entertain me. So I think the little sentence does help with stuff because sometimes it also helps add to the picture as well. But a lot of those, I also have the model in mind who's in the picture and I think about how they are as a person. Because a lot of what I do is also talk to the models. If it's a model picture, I talk, like talk to the body and that informs what I would put because I've talked to that person. So those little things I put up, it's a combination of my interactions with them and what the picture is. Mm-hmm. Yes, I've always found those interesting. So Good I job. try to make them that way. I do, I do try to do that, but at the same time, you also don't want to repeat yourself either. <laughs> because it's easy to do, because you'll think, if you, especially just similar shots of the same model, you don't want to put the same thing for each shot. So I try and think of something different. That can be challenging, especially because I post those, for an exa- just to give you an example, about 7 a.m. my time, which... Um, <laughs> I'm an early person. I'm up ages before then. But I post at that time because generally here, people are on their way to work and they're traveling. But the issue, of course, is if it's a, if there are people in other countries like yourself, that's five hours behind. So that's early morning for you. Right, it's 2 a.m. So, exactly. But in the West Coast, it's still... So West Coast, it would be 11 p.m. Yeah. And then, of course, you've got mountain time, which I don't know. <laughs> which would be midnight. Yeah. So with those, it can be a bit weird. Unless people are night owls, which you tend to find, surprisingly, is quite a common thing. Because a lot of people who respond to those photos tend to be people who aren't in, actually in England. They tend to be in places that are in the west part of the world, like America, Canada. I get interaction from those people. And then I get them from people in asia which is like three to five six hours in front which of course makes it during the day when they should all be at work (laughs) so but a lot of that tends to be i find is from what you state how you state it and weird enough uh thing that people tend to underestimate is hashtags Mm -hmm. and the photos it's very important what ones you put because certain ones will get a better result than others. And the weird part that everyone does is people go for the most popular ones, like the ones that are like 5 million, 8 million, 100 million, what it would be. You need to go for the smaller ones, like the thousands or the 500,000s, because they surface easier for people. Yeah. 
because if you go for the bigger numbers, they get lost. Yeah. So I try to stick to, I have a mix generally of both. So I tend to find that works better as far as being in touch with people. I learned that one by doing lots of very painful research into <laughs> hashtags. I was like, why am I doing this? And it's like, oh, that's why. Because I've actually got jobs from doing that simply because I posted something and put the right hashtag. Yeah. Yeah. It's trial and error. As is everything. So, yeah. but the most important thing I find when it comes to self promotion is me <laughs> when I'm out and about. The amount of people have walked up to me when I'm doing a shoot and they'll be like, I'll be interested in photographer um, so, at some point. Do you have a business card? Business card. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I've done that. I've seen uh, like plumber. The, my neighbor was used a plumber one day. And I needed I needed a plumber, and I just went up to him and said, "Do you do this?" And he said, "Yeah." I'm like, give me your card. He goes, "Call my office, make the appointment. I'll come back tomorrow." Okay, just because my neighbor yeah. had that person. That happened to me at a wedding. I had four people come up to me separately asking me for business cards because <laughs> they were guests at the wedding. Yeah. So, oh, it's it's one of those weird things where there are places where you're not necessarily going to assume you're going to be approached to work. Always assume people are going to ask you possibly for work or what you can do for them. So particularly when you're self-employed, business cards, whether they're digital ones or whether they're physical ones. Always have physical ones as well because not everyone understands the digital world we live in. I notice having elderly relatives. Yeah. And especially if you're wearing a T-shirt with your logo on it, you never know. Someone might go, oh, you're a photographer. Have I ever seen your work? Here's my card. Yeah, uh, self-branding is definitely a thing, yeah. Whether it's like, I haven't got them on now, but there's a fleece and there's a T-shirt and there's a shirt. Not a T-shirt, it's like a dress shirt, Yeah, which I have for that as well. But also mugs, beanies, mouse mats. So almost have to brand yourself. So uh, you, if you can do it, find yourself a nice little, like almost a store where they can make you custom-made stuff. And then merch, always merch, merch yourself. You're almost like... Um, yep. Like a sports team, almost, because sports teams always have all this merchandise that ties into their club, because obviously right. you've got the yep. shirt, mm-hmm. but then also have the mug, have the little bear key rings yeah, and stuff like that. you've got the backpack, back. what... you've got, yeah, yeah. you got the sheets on your bed, you know. The... Yeah, I mean, obviously make it that relates to what you do as much as you can, or something that's easy for people to have. Because one of the most common things I get asked for by wedding couples, and this is a big one, is they'll be, do you do photo albums? like the physical ones and i'll be yes i do and what i do with those is you make them a, get them a album customize it with their names the date and everything like but then i'll send them something along with them like a like a little mouse mat a little poster throwing a few little bits and pieces you know, like three little gifts that might be useful in house fridge magnets you know coasters mouse mat you'd be surprised what what, what impression that makes because people like receiving free stuff yeah and it's thoughtful it's yeah, it's, it's a thoughtful. I, I like it. Yeah, I like getting gifts. I think everyone does. Sure. sure. So, if people want to reach out and get in touch with you, how would they do so? Oh, pretty much every way known to mankind, honestly, um, except for smoke signals. I don't think that quite works yet, but um, <laughs> I'm working on it. Um, let's see. Uh, pretty much the website. Website's a good one. Email I actually respond to probably quicker than anything because even if I'm shooting or at a wedding, I can check that quite easily. Phone, mm-hmm. phone calls tends to be harder, but um, despite what I said about social media, that as well. So, 
particularly for some Instagram, because Instagram's a very visual medium, so I spend a lot more time on it than I do probably the other social media platforms because it's very much photo. And that's why I say, but yeah, social media and probably Instagram and the website, probably the best two ways to do so. Okay. I would say. And I will put all of that into the show notes, which you can find at geekyshowever.com. Peter, thank you so much for taking some time and talking with me and sharing your photography expertise. We appreciate it. Uh, thank you very much for having me. It's been fun. So Thank you. And listeners, if you want to get in touch with either me or Melissa, you can do so on Twitter at Geekiest Show. If you want to reach us individually, I'm at Elisa Paselli one Melissa is at The Mac Mommy. You can also go to our website, website, I'm sorry, which is geekyshowever.com and reach us on our contact tab, or you can send us an email, podcast at geekyshowever.com. We appreciate the uh, fact that you were listening today. Thank you so much. Stay safe. We'll, we'll talk to you in a few weeks. I'm Bart Bouchard, host of the Let's Talk Apple podcast. Every month I gather together a panel of Apple followers and we digest the month's Apple news. Our aim is to step back and take a 40,000 foot view of all things Apple. We're the perfect complement to the many great daily news shows out there. Listen and subscribe at www.letstalk.ie.